0: Well, it's not just a drug. It's a drug that gets a bad rap, because if you just have a little, it's great. But there's not a lot of you out there. Like, everybody else seems to be... I mean, obviously, you make a lot of money, and there's a lot of people that make a lot of money. (laughs) You like that? Clock? Yeah. Pretty dope, right? This is a great clock. Yeah, you want one? I'll get you one. Sure. Okay. Done. I like weird things like this. Oh, this is the coolest. It's TGT Promotion. What is this? TGT Studios? TGT Studios? Yeah. Yeah um to a gentleman who makes all this by hand
1: yeah it's really cool
0: my study is filled with weird devices
2: well get ready for another one
0: all right hello you're listening to hacks this is a tech podcast and we're a little unmoored because for the first time we do not have a full dance card this week i'm only joined by the formidable rosemary that's where you say hi
1: oh hi hi everyone
0: cool and rob oh hi yeah you see how we're just we're we're already this is this one's already a write-off because that's what happens when no no we're down a hack our whole rhythm's off we had such a great show last week and this week it's just it's already in the gutter um and that's sort of appropriate because uh, this week we, we're doing we're we're still you know, it's early in the in the life cycle of a podcast. We're still sort of figuring out what we can and can't get away with. And I wanted to test since we've got sort of a, a diminished capacity this week. I wanted to use that as an opportunity to test out a sort of a new format where uh, each each one of us it's sort of like a book report. We we've each got a character of tech to bring to the table and. The goal is to see if, after we've presented these people, if we can come up with any sort of shared characteristics or anything that we can glean from uh, to from the com- from comparing them one to the other. Now we're going to test this hypothesis later, but uh, I arrange these people in order uh, from what I believe to be least psychotic to most psychotic. Um, the first person we're going to be talking about is Elizabeth Holmes of Theranos. Second person is someone you've probably expected us to talk about already. And that's uh, Elon Musk of Tesla and SpaceX. And the third is a fellow by the name of John McAfee, of course, of uh, the McAfee antivirus software, which used to be omnipresent, now not so much. The reason that I I was thinking about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos is because it was just this past week, despite the fact that, you know, Theranos, his whole thing, their game's been up for quite a while. They only just folded as a company in this past week. Now, Rosemary, I know that you've you've got a lot of thoughts and feelings about Mrs. Ms. Holmes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I read the book by John Kerry called the uh, Blood about the whole saga of, uh, of the Theranos Silicon Valley startup. Um, it's a great book. It's a really gripping read. It's a real win for the the fourth estate because it's it's great journalistic work that that actually brought the company down. And more than most startups, it really, really needed that to happen because it's not just some stupid uh, juicer. <laughs> it's uh, they're, they're they're messing with people's. Like, Shout help. out to Juicero. Uh. <laughs> so, um, they. Had a great vision. Elizabeth Holmes had, had a great vision to um, make blood testing easier by um, getting rid of the needle and you could do it only with a pinprick. But the problem was that reality wouldn't conform to the vision, so they just uh, faked it. She was the type of American, uh, sorry guys, who <laughs> had friends friends in high places. She dropped out of uh, Stanford, and um, but she had access to people like. Uh, George Schultz, who I, I mentioned because he figures further down in the in the story an in inter- interesting way, and Henry Kissinger. She had allies who were like you just don't get more pro- high profile than Henry Kissinger, and so she raised like hundreds of millions of dollars. And John Kerry, through really uh, impressive persistence and under a lot of uh, threat of lawsuits. Cause they tried seriously to intimidate him and other uh, whistleblowers broke um, the story and there's a problem with the fake um, Theranos technology is that people it's so ridiculous they had, they, Walgreens was one of the true believers so people would go to Walgreens to get a blood test uh, that was pertaining to the kind of daily meditation, medications they took and um they were getting, like, totally out-of-whack readings, you know, so this could have severely affected their health. Mm-hmm.
0: I find it yeah. funny the the notion of a, of a company being a true believer. You know, like, they have this this yeah. ideological devotion to this product. I mean, what they really saw was dollar signs, of course, but this notion that, that this this cold entity could be tricked into this almost religious belief in a person or a, or a concept is kind of funny to me. Uh,
2: the, the level of artifice yeah. with Theranos is so fascinating to me. Like, I haven't read the book, but isn't it the case that at Walgreens when they discovered that the blood testing machines didn't work, they would, like, take the samples from the machines, run them to a real lab, do the testing there, and then bring the samples back and be like, oh, yeah, the machine was just a little bit delayed today. Here are your results sort of thing. Amazing.
1: Yeah. So a lot of smoke and mirrors, and hundreds of millions of dollars to support them, which is why they were able to really really be really extremely viciously litigious against anyone who's trying to uh, actually expose mm-hmm. them.
0: And as I understand so, it, Walgreens was, fall, was far from the only true believer, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, Walmart, um, that's hundreds of millions of dollars.
0: I was thinking about people in her entourage.
1: Yeah, Henry <laughs> Well, I mean, <laughs> Says it all, really. I mean that's, that's one thing I wanted to mention, <laughs> is that, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a sad story about these old guys. Who believed in this self-styled new female Steve Jobs, and it was George Solz's, uh grandson, who was one of the whistleblowers. He worked for the company, so props to the millennials who, who didn't didn't buy into the company culture of you know cultish belief. And he, he called it like he saw it, and it cost his family. Like you know, they can afford it, but they still had to stand about defending him in court. And that ruins his relationship with his his grandfather.
0: It's amazing how whenever there's like, whenever there's an American fiasco involving lots of blood, Henry Kissinger is involved.
2: Almost like he's drawn to it. (laughs) Some sort of insect or parasites. strange. At the time of Theranos's demise, did it have money in the bank? Or had they run out of money? Like, was this a
1: Oh, no, like, was th- this
2: a journalistic execution, or was it like the death of a startup, like almost every other startup?
1: No, it was, it was the death by the Fourth Estate. By the Fourth Estate doing its job, you know, and a major public service in, in this case. Also, just want to note that Betsy DeVos invested hundred million dollars. <laughs> of course, in she did. <laughs> and Rupert Murdoch, one hundred twenty-one million.
0: So, what does the uh, book have to say about Elizabeth Holmes? Human, well, like, what, uh-huh. what is uh, what's going on there?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting because she uh, she's young, uh, blonde, um, female, and she apparently low artificially uh, lowered her voice, um, and apparently she had these very penetrating eyes that everybody commented upon, and this and this very
2: if- deep voice. Sorry, Rosemary, but if you are a listener to the podcast right now and you have never heard Elizabeth Holmes speak, stop the podcast, open your YouTube app, and look it up. It is wild. She sounds like a Warner Brothers character. Ms. Holmes, welcome back to Mad Money.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth. I have to tell you, in all my years, I can't recall a private company that I have to candidly, many have never heard of getting this kind
2: of attention and scrutiny. What do you think is going on here? This is what happens when you work to change things, and first they think you're crazy, then they fight you, and then all of a sudden you change the world and um, I, I have to say I, I I personally was shocked to see that the journal would publish something like this when we had sent them over a thousand pages of documentation demonstrating that the statements in their piece were false, but um but we're doing things
1: differently and we're working to make a difference and that means people raise questions and, and that's okay. Yeah, so, I mean, she knew what she was doing. I mean, she, okay, give, let's give her some credit. She's a young woman and so uh, that puts her at a disadvantage in that world and, and so she tried to compensate by lowering her voice. But at the same time, it's also it's very calculating. Um, you yeah, know, the thing she, you know, she's mainly motivated by being the next Steve Jobs. Oh, the other thing she did is emulate him by wearing a, a black turtleneck, which apparently she didn't at the beginning. Kind of had a uh, uh, some uh, media training and, and style advice, so so it worked. It worked until it didn't. It, was, it the the company. It took a, the company a long time to run out of money after they were exposed.
2: Can we just talk about the Steve Jobs wardrobe for a second? Because I actually. I'm a defender of this wardrobe choice. You, I'm I'm looking at oh, you two wait, motherfuckers in the webcam right now, and you're not wearing just a standard black T-shirt and jeans, and you probably spent 100 times uh, more seconds thinking about what you want to put on your body this morning than I did. I saved those 100 seconds, and I could have been out. I didn't, but I could have been out creating a
0: $100 million company. Right, it's hey, just you easier. You know what? Not to when I go. get up at when I get up at seven a.m., I'm on that seven eleven bus. Okay, that's that's around the corner. So don't tell me I take too long. To get
2: <laughs> are you or are you not wearing a dead man's shoes right now?
0: Well, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> we're all wearing dead men's shoes, I suppose. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, you were talking, uh, Rosemary, about Elizabeth Holmes's disadvantages as a woman in you know this environment, which I like. I guess I'm vaguely sympathetic to, yeah, or rather, I am sympathetic to in general. But I do find it kind of funny when, like, there was a piece that came out after Bad Blood was released that was talking about, that was sort of bemoaning the fact that, oh, we didn't get Elizabeth's perspective on all this and sort of, you know, uh, talking oh, yeah. about, like, oh, I wanted to hear more about her as a woman and, like, her experience of this and, like, how she came to, which, like, I kind of get, but also, like if this charade had gone on a whole lot longer, she would have seriously fucked with a lot of people's lives. So, like, my sympathy levels yeah. are pretty low.
1: Yeah, and on that note, um, Virginia Heffernoon, who's a journalist who, who I like a great deal, um, wrote an article in Wired, and she she kind of tried to gender the whole uh, perspective on, on Elizabeth Holmes and say, oh, it's kind of cool, it's kind of thrilling that she... she Uh, got one over on all these powerful men. Um, But it doesn't really wash in the end. In the end, you know, gender has less to do with it than sociopathy. I mean,
2: people are forgetting that she's the baddie, right? Like just the fact that she's a woman doesn't (laughs) (laughs) erase that. Although in that that Heffernan piece, there is a quote. She's quoting someone else who says that Holmes was our first female antihero of the tech world, which I I get behind that. I like that image of her.
0: Sure. More, yeah. uh, more women guards as, as the meme goes. The other thing I wanted to get out of the way just to like figure out the demographics we're working with, did homes come from money? Yes. Like a lot of money, I'm assuming.
1: <laughs> yeah. They, they were, uh, I can't remember exactly. If her father was a prominent doctor or something, something okay. like that. But,
0: just wanted yeah. to, that's going to be a through line, I suspect.
1: They, some of her early investors were, um, her neighbors, um, including this crazy Bitcoin person who still was, was professing his loyalty to her. I can't remember his name. Gonna, I'll look it up. He's a very prominent in, Bi- in the Bitcoin space. He's an early Bitcoin VC. I of- love
0: these people who think that because they got right on something once, they're right yeah. on everything <laughs> yeah. that came later. Like, th- yeah. this is like a classic <laughs> trope of of these guys. Um, and I'm sure that's a, yeah. a characteristic we'll have occasion to talk about again in the future, perhaps even in this episode. So I, I, I want to yeah. pause Holmes for a second and move on to our second figure. I think we'll probably have reason to sort of bounce back and forth between these people to talk about the man of the hour. Uh, the man whose antics over the last month have uh, helped to drive down his, his principal company's stock price by almost 30%, I read this morning, uh, and that's Mr. Elon Musk. Uh, now, Rob, you have been immersed somewhat in the world of Mr. Musk, in his Musk, shall we say, um, for, for this past <laughs> week, and you even did us the solid of watching, as I understand it, the entire Elon Musk Joe Rogan podcast episode. How long was Uh, that?
2: Two hours and 47 minutes and 15 seconds. And I can say with confidence that I enjoyed over 95% of it. I had never experienced this podcast before, and it is delightful. I have to say that Joe Rogan is—don't frown at me, Simon. Joe Rogan is the world's most agreeable— most curious, most engaged simpleton, and that makes him so nice to listen to because he just wants to know everyone's story. There's no politics. There's no right and wrong. He just wants to ask Mr. Musk, like, "Have you seen my samurai sword?"
0: It's right. Like, whereas you listen to us, we're just these sour. We hate everything, lefty. and Joe Rogan loves. We hate everything, everything. That right? Yeah, that's why he makes the bucks, and we don't exactly.
2: So we have to be more like him, and that's why. I'm willing to declare that I love Elon Musk. This was a great interview. Okay, again, everyone is frowning at me. Let me ask you this. As a host of this podcast, even listeners, I'm speaking to you right now. As a listener to this podcast, you probably uh, encounter Elon Musk most in your Twitter feed. The latest horrible thing that he did, the union busting. The stealing of artists' intellectual property, the alleged stock market fraud, repeatedly accusing one of the Thai rescue divers of being a pedophile, um, supporting Grimes' music career. But you've probably (laughs) never taken two hours and 47 minutes to watch Elon Musk exist in the world, right? He's answering questions. He's trying his best to have a human conversation. You can see his facial expressions. Like, it was very humanizing. I'm sure that's why he did the interview. But I can say that having just like a golden retriever of Joe Rogan on one side of the table and Elon Musk on the other side of the table was like a pleasant experience. Those are my initial thoughts.
1: Um, it, it, it's, that's a good pitch, Rob. Um, I, I agree that I um, haven't spent time with Elon Musk in, in any substantial way i i like grimes i'll defend her and i don't really understand why everyone was so uh, has such a huge problem with her dating and well i
0: think it's because uh she like her fan base is traditionally very left-leaning and alternative and you know very montreal so it was yeah. not surprising when i i don't want to talk about the grimes thing for more than 30 more seconds but like learning about the backlash when that started happening was not surprising to me because it's not politically a good mesh at all and it got even weirder when she felt the need to defend his union busting in public anyway you're right rob i have not i have not deliberately subjected myself to 167 minutes of elon musk and his humanizing project i did think it was funny that um the big takeaway more than anything he actually said was this idea that he'd never smoked pot before, and he did it on camera on his show, which was funny for the meme, but also funny in two other senses. One is that it, again, messed with the Tesla stock price. And two, uh, it came out afterwards that um, plenty of Tesla employees had been drug tested and there, there was sort of this back and forth where it's like, oh, no, it's not – it turns out it's not regular employees that get regularly drug tested. It's just the ones who are looking to form unions <laughs> or something like that. Uh, how interesting. Yeah, so uh, that, that didn't exactly help. Yeah,
2: and uh, so I just also want to say that I am an Elon Musk weed-smoking truther. He did not inhale from that blunt. There's no way. You go back to the video evidence. That did not happen. <laughs> and, yeah, it is clear that he has clearly never been around drugs in his entire life. Um, it, it was – it was odd. Like, he's an odd dude, obviously. Um, and, you know, watching this interview at once made me perfectly understand the cult around him when you think about the way that he communicates things, which I can talk about a little bit later, but also made me really mystify it as to how this puffy doofus is the guy who every user of Reddit is like rallying around as the one person who's going to save all of human society.
0: Right, this is something I wanted to explicitly talk about. This is actually the thing that most interests me about Elon Musk. It's not even about him really. It's not even about it's not even about like Elon Musk or any one person. It's about this veneration that people have for these tech giants. And, and Elizabeth Holmes had this too for a while where it seems like people are just dying for saviors and they'll take anyone I mean that's the only that's the only explanation I have for why they take him, and it's rampant on Twitter. If you if you mention him on Twitter, you've got to asterisk out one or more letters in his name, or you're going to get people in your mentions all up in there.
1: Yeah, well, I would just say that morale, who is not, not here today, but she made a comment. Uh, <laughs> she made a comment that you know once again, I can't remember what we were talking about, but she said, "Oh, tech is seen as a solution to." A problem that it can't possibly be, uh, you know, um, sufficient to, to solve solve much bigger problem. And I think that that's the perspective of this podcast generally. And that carries over to how these people are treated as if they, that, that they can actually, uh, just, these uh, use ex-mashana, provide, the, yeah, some little app on your phone. Or and it Ethiopia. becomes empathetic
2: too. Like if I can set the stage up for in the half hour before we started recording this podcast, I was furiously searching um, Twitter, Reddit, YouTube comments to find the perfect encapsulation of Elon Musk's appeal to the masses, to the people who want to be saved. And uh, Simon Rosemary, if you'll permit me, I will give you a reading of the perfect, um, it's it's almost like a prehumus. Before death eulogy of Elon Musk and why he is so important. This is a YouTube comment. I sympathize with Elon. Most of you have no idea what it's like constantly being the smartest person in the room. And you have no idea how exhausting it is to interact with regular people. People who have never had an original thought, yet are convinced somehow that they are remarkable. He doesn't have to accomplish a thing. He accomplished more before his 30th birthday than most of you combined will throughout the course of your lives. He doesn't work the way he does because he has to pay bills like pedestrians. He does it because he's driven at a cellular level. Criticisms from you people is analogous to you being criticized by a cat. It's entertaining at first, but eventually you just need to smoke a blunt and have a conversation with Joe Rogan. So like in this, there's a lot going on, so much going on, right? God but damn. it's not, it, like, it's not just that this is the guy who's going to invent the thing that, you know, allows me to live forever or go to Mars or have sex with a robot, finally have sex. It is, like, it becomes empathetic, almost, like, I I am this guy, in a way, right? And that, that creates the emotional connection, not just with Elon Musk. I think there was some of that with Elizabeth Holmes as well, and Steve Jobs, and et cetera, et cetera, before them.
0: Maybe I'm overreaching here, but... When I think about the Elon Musk defense squad that shows up on Twitter whenever you mention him without having the foresight to have censored any part of his name, um, I think about people who are big fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and in general like this this generation of sort of nerd culture that grew up um, – that, that, that is just now sort of um, realizing they have total supremacy – and they're sort of uncomfortable with it. It's like uh, I'm gonna to try to tie some things together that may not work. But a couple of weeks ago, Ethan Hawke had that comment about how he doesn't like superhero movies and we shouldn't talk about them like they're real cinema or whatever because they're not plaisant or or what have you. Now you may or may not agree with that statement, but this whole range of uh, nerd commentators came out and were furious at his at his comment. Even though, like, like really, what do these people want? You know, they've got all these movies that dominate the box office every year. And when I think about the Elon Musk's of the world, like, again, the nerds have won, they're, they're out there making their epic bacon tweets. And they're running these massive companies. And they're, you know, doing these big ludicrous space projects, like they run the world. And it seems like that hasn't brought them any joy.
2: Well, I think that they've been told by marketers that they run the world, right? Like Marvel is like a multi-billion dollar industry or whatever, and all these people have their toys and they have their conventions and everything. But like, how much do people really respect them? I I think that's still the missing piece, right? Like there are still bullies out there uh, physically or proverbially kicking sand into their face, right?
0: The Ethan Hawks of the world. that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you start on me, Rob. Uh, right, so that's the one thing they'll never get is they'll never they'll never earn earn respect and prestige, which I guess helps to explain why whenever someone does kick dirt in Elon Musk's proverbial Twitter face, you do get that army showing up. You know, like I, I had someone trying to argue to me that, oh, when you um, when you see these defenders showing up, they're just bots. I don't think so. No,
1: yeah, yeah, that would be a uh, that. That would be that would be machine learning at its best <laughs> I
2: guess if you had bought the, <laughs> the only good use of machine learning is to defend Elon Musk yeah. but so then so then I started thinking about like so Elon Musk is this character that people identify with because he's just like me he's the smartest guy in the room and and everyone else is just a, a dumb ox or whatever um, but then how do you get there like how how did Elon Musk become that guy yeah he's rich and he has this interest in rocketry okay i have to tell you about this one moment in the interview that just killed me so joe rogan of course so curious and so um willing to just like take in whatever musk is telling him he asked elon musk with total sincerity so like what do you do all day do you just like sit in a chair and invent and elon musk goes like oh you know i do hardcore engineering uh i design things you know I do structural, mechanical, electrical, software engineering. I do uh, user interface engineering. I do aerospace engineering. Fuck off. No, you don't. If you are spreading yourself that thin, you're not doing shit. This Elon Musk is a dude with three patents. Uh, on, with his name on it, and they're all for like—is
0: one of them for a unicorn with two horns? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Whoa, shit! What
0: if the unicorn had two
2: horns? Is essentially who he is. But I, so I think that the way Elon Musk becomes Elon Musk is he's one of these guys like Steve Jobs, like Elizabeth Holmes, who um has the knack for describing um technical topics, STEM E topics, um at a level that lay people can understand and um. Uh, really grok right and it doesn't matter if um, Elon Musk's knowledge about those topics is deep or not just that he's a really good communicator about it right so he like he's kind of like the human person personification of a TED talk right like the the, 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 the experience of watching a TED talk is like you don't learn anything but you're inside the circle of enlightenment as the person is talking to you right they're demonstrating their expertise and that's what Elon Musk does
0: So I know this is going to be an awkward segue, but um, we don't have that much time left. So I need to introduce our third character of the day, um, who, like, the more we talk about these other two, the more he feels like an outlier, even though I think, in a way, he's sort of the logical, horrible extension of both people. Um, And that's a fellow by the name of John McAfee. Uh, He is now 72 years old, and... If you owned a personal computer or had one around the house in the you know early to mid nineties or even the early two thousands, then you have heard his name before, because um, he and his company really pioneered antivirus software. He was the first one to really bring that to uh, the popular consciousness, and apparently that sense of uh, being a, a a sometimes justified paranoiac. Uh, Extended to other parts of his life uh, in ways that will become clear later on. Anyway, um, he was extremely eccentric in how he ran the company um, in terms of office culture. Um, There were, you know, sex parties and things like that. Uh, Just really, really weird. And he ended up not really wanting to be a part of the company when it was starting to really level up in terms of financing. So he kind of took a payout and they kept the name and he kind of went off to do his own thing, but it was really quite a payout. So he ended up as like, maybe not a billionaire, but like a several hundred millionaire. Uh, And then things just get weirder and weirder from there on out. So at a certain point in the mid 2000s, he claims that he's lost most of his money and now he's only a, a sad 10 millionaire. And then he screws off to Belize where he spends quite a bit of time and where some Things happen. By the way, the information that I'm I'm handing out here is is mostly derived from Nanette Burstein's documentary Gringo, which screened here in Toronto at the uh, at the film fest here a couple years ago, and then later on Showtime.
2: How many girlfriends did he have? Yeah, at least five or six girls.
0: I do have teenage girlfriends, and many at a time.
2: He would talk about his hitmen, how he could have people hurt or killed. He brought me two pills and a glass of orange juice, and I woke up dizzy. And he was standing over me, naked. He went from zero to crazy in like two seconds. David walked into John home and stole stuff. So John asked me if I could bring three guys
0: up here, slap him up, teach him a little respect. Before torture, they knife cut him up, stab him in, in the mouth and the face, and then he died.
2: John's dogs ran on the beach and they were really ferocious. Greg
0: Fall had had it with those dogs and said, I'm going to poison those dogs. Mr. Fall was found dead. He had been executed. Then when he gets to Belize, um, he first of all, he, he he still has his money. Obviously, it's just it's off in shell corporations everywhere. He has not lost anywhere near what he says he has, If he if he's lost anything at all. He ends up basically buying off the entire Belize police department and just handing out money everywhere to build houses for himself. And, you know, he's just money goes a long way in a place like Belize, as you might imagine. Um, But then over the course of his time there, um, some stuff happens. Uh, A neighbor gets murdered and uh, also alleged in this documentary is a business partner of his uh, alleges that he raped her. He ended up fleeing and then was extradited back to the States and has never been charged. What? So, yeah, never. There were never any criminal charges. Um, But the best part is that after he got back to the States, he joined the Libertarian Party and attempted to become their leader in the previous election, and intends to, once again, try to become the le- the national leader of the Libertarian Party in 2020. He said that if it doesn't work out, that he will form his own party. So, John McAfee. <laughs> Can you describe him as, you- like,
2: a literary character? Like, who, what, is he convincing as a person, or is he just, like, straight psychopath, he- like or what?
0: OK, so a big through line of the documentary and very clear when you watch footage of him talking is he is like way more so than either of the other people we're talking about today. He is very charming. He is like he has just charisma up the wazoo. Um, also clearly psychotic, like there's no question if you look at the the way he composes emails and the way he you know, the, the way he, he sort of orchestrates these events, there's no way he's not completely psychotic. What I find so fascinating about him in, in context is that, yes, he's allegedly a murderer and allegedly a rapist. Um, but, like, despite the fact that what he's done is so extreme, his politics are, like, very standard for the tech sector. You know, he believes in unfettered free trade. He believes that... um, if his main thing about wanting to become the head of the libertarian party in the states is that he wants to promote the use of cryptocurrencies surprise and uh, he's you know he's just a big fan of deregulation in all things which is like completely in line with probably musk and probably I don't know I don't know anything about Elizabeth Holmes politics but I'd be surprised to discover that she that she wasn't a libertarian
1: I think she's a technocrat yeah I don't think she's a libertarian but you never well, yeah. Anyway, Simon. Yeah, go for it. So what you're saying is not all libert not all libertarians are murderers. <laughs> <so> <laughs> all libertarians? <are> libertarians? No. <laughs> I
0: don't think that's really true. Uh, but I I just think it's interesting that even though Mc- McAfee is such an extreme figure and so obviously more evil and frightening than a, than a Musk who. Who, like, Musk is a bad person, like, there's no getting around it, but he's not scary in any sense. Um, at least not yet. I mean, his- his dad's the murderer in the family, not him, as far as we know. There's something about, um, McAfee's unfettered evil that- and yet the shared political DNA that I find really interesting.
2: Wow, that is a wild story.
1: Um, is he in the news? Is he in the news,
0: Simon? Uh, not really. That's the thing. (laughs) Like- the he has so much money and power. It's sort of funny because at the opening of the documentary, Nanette Burstein, I believe, narrates and says, "Like, is you know, does this prove that people with money and influence are above the law?" Which is like, fucking, of course they are. I don't need to watch this entire hundred-minute documentary to figure that one out, Nanette. <laughs> like, uh, no, I mean, it's it seems like uh, it's clear that nothing about what what tra- what transpired in Belize. Uh, is going anywhere. I mean, even uh, Burstein said that when she was working on the documentary, there were all sorts of other allegations kind of floating around, but they couldn't be substantiated in the same way as the um, – actually, there. Are, sorry, there are two murders discussed in the film. But anyway, I, I don't have time to get into all that as well as, of course, the sexual assault. Um, there is other stuff sort of floating around the periphery that she didn't have time or or sufficient evidence to get into. Uh, and, of course, also, um, after the documentary came out, um, it's alleged that McAfee found the people who, who you know, testified – or, you know, not testified – who who spoke on camera about these crimes and paid them off to recant their statement. And then when she came to them, she they were like, look, it was a lot of money, but I still stand behind what I said. And then when other people came back to them, they were like, no, 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 wait, I, I didn't mean that. What? Anyway, it's just <laughs> – So, it's possible that it was all just a ruse, and in fact, McAfee has done nothing wrong. But he definitely has. Like, come
1: on. So, I I would just add that I just checked, so, um, and I should have known this, but um, Elizabeth Holmes is a Democrat who likes to hang around with the uh, Clintons, or prior to her disgrace. Uh Right. social...
0: Imagine being too disgraced to be able to hang out with the Clintons.
2: (laughs) So, uh, are you saying that John... McCarthy, I refuse to use the alternative uh, pronunciation of his name. Um he's like the endpoint of all tech millionaires, just like a Howard Hughes recluse. Yeah.
0: You know in a way I admire him because he feels like the most honest of them. Like obviously he's lying about having not killed people, but <laughs> he's <laughs> like he it, he seems to be the, the the natural endpoint of that political philosophy of like not of, you know, c- clearly being like lacking all true empathy and like understanding why we might want checks and balances and regulation and things to, you know, shelter humans from unfettered, you know, capitalism or free marketism or whoever it is you want to put it. Um, he, he seems to, if you watch him speak and then you get to know what he's alleged to have done, he seems uh, more more concept than person.
2: It's interesting that you say he's the most honest. And from what you have told us, I agree with that. I think that the most insidious thing about these, you know, technology icons or whatever is the way that they ingratiate themselves into the political and economic system, right? Like, Elon Musk is one of the largest Republican donors. He's also one of the largest Democrat donors, right? He just wants to be in the room and tell them God knows Mm -hmm. what, right?
0: Well, and when I talk about honesty, I'm talking about stuff like in... um he doesn't make an appearance himself in the film, but his correspondence, which he later claimed he actually got a bunch of other people to write for him. Um, however, his daughter says he's a control freak, and there's no way he did that. Um, but in the correspondence, he says, you know, if you try to follow the money, it's not going to work because I've got stuff in 14 shell corporations and none of them have my name attached to them. That, like, Which is, I'm sure, completely true of everyone else we're talking about. But at least he's – that's the one, the one good thing about, you know, having McAfee so out in the open is that, like, yeah, at least one of them admitting I, I
2: feel that maybe McAfee was, like, ahead of his time because if he was on Twitter and came up with a ballin' statement like that, 14 shell corporations today, he would have his own Elon Musk brigade, right? Like, it doesn't really matter what these people do behind closed doors. Look at our uh, president, Donald Trump. Um, it's, it's just about like how well you can brag about it on Twitter and like create a following around you.
0: He is on Twitter, by the Uh way, and is just as psychotic as you'd imagine. Um, and there are times in the film where he's talking about like how he's got a bunch of teenage girlfriends and things like that, where it's like, I bet this is what Elon wants, but he knows he, he, he can't ever get away with. It's a big allegation.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I would just add that maybe this is, I was just thinking about Cult leaders in general, or cult leaders who are more a characteristic of a previous era, and so now it's it's you know it's taken on the, the characteristics of our own era. Um, so cult behavior is always with us, I guess, and, and the thing that, that connects them maybe is believing in a in a in a leader who's also a, a murderer, um, although. That that has been a characteristic of you no. Know, Just means Hansen. they're committed.
0: <laughs> well, Rob, <laughs> you, you've you've been following Elon Musk all, all month. Let's say that it was him instead of his dad who uh, you know shot some people in his South African home or something. Do you think that the the Elon stands would, um, um, in the words of Kendrick Lamar, when shit hits the fan, are they still fans? Hundred percent.
2: I mean, I, Elon Musk has. Uh, issues in his own past that speak to this right like uh calling the the cave diver guy a a child rapist like that's pretty serious it's not murder but like people were supporting him through it and trying to dig up shit on the guy elon musk's hairline has changed throughout the years and no one gives him shit for it on twitter like it doesn't matter as long as you are committed to your cult leader you're gonna go to death for that cult leader
1: And So Steve Jobs was just, like, a really mild example of that because no no one really accused him of of murder. But he's apparently quite an unpleasant person. Well, it's also – hasn't it
0: come out, like, after his death that he had a terrible, terrible relationship with his daughter? He was just, like, a really awful person. Anyway, but it's Um, too bad that he had to rely on that juice diet to try to stave off cancer. If only Juicero was around.
1: (laughs) I'll give you. I'll give you an example of how horrible Steve Jobs was. He had a. a he made a company between uh, Apple when he left Apple, and and also or was it an early Apple computer called Lisa. Yeah, yeah. And he had his first daughter, who he sort of tried to deny the paternity of, and then he told her no, it wasn't me. Oh,
2: <laughs>
0: Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, and then apparently he finally did confirm that it was named after her years later, but it wasn't until Bono was in the room. <laughs> I don't know if you have read that little tidbit. Bono is like the Ur cult leader of all of them. Yeah. I feel What's like behind the shades. Be- yeah, exactly.
1: I-, <laughs>
0: I only know it's shady.
2: Okay, so um, with all three of these uh, techno kings and queens, what is the hacks version of Fuck, Mary, Kill? Here's what I think.
0: Oh, God.
2: Recycle for parts.
0: Kill John McCaffrey <laughs> no, 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 before he no, no, kills no. again.
2: You, one person you recycle for parts. One person <laughs> you merge into the galaxy-spanning AI. And one person you have a, as a guest on the show.
0: Oh, you definitely want... Oh. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to say merge Holmes with the AI because her cunning could be really also the helpful. Also, voice,
2: the voice of the AI would be so and good.
0: The, yep. <laughs> um... Guest Elon, because you've just said he was great on a podcast, so that would be really juice our numbers and yeah, and then dismember McAfee and throw him in the ocean. Yeah, I generally agree with that. I think that's good. Rosemary,
1: yeah, I I, I agree. See, we're all on the same page, we're all we all love being hacked for a reason. (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) to, to close off this episode, I mean, I was sort of hoping that by discussing these three very different people in tandem, we would find some thesis to connect them, but now I think that might be folly.
1: Well, I mean, uh, we're going to have to keep on investigating this, this question. We're going to have to keep
0: okay. adding more people until eventually we can connect them. Yeah. We're going to have one of those, like, yeah. corkboard yeah, walls with the
2: red thread connecting everything.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: right. It's going to look like the the, Ru- the Russian investigation chart in that uh, New York magazine piece from uh, now a couple well, no, ago. Well, I no, think, I think you already uh,
2: touched on it. I mean, I, I think it comes down to belief, right? These people are extremely skilled at getting the public... Investors, politicians, law enforcement—perhaps in some cases—on their side, right? And you know that is what drives the yep. stock price, or the external success, or the, the the further investments in their company when they're not making anything. In Holmes's case, um, it's it's a power over people, uh, and that's—it's it, not about the technology mm-hmm. at all. The technology is secondary. It's just a vessel for um, people's appreciation for these personalities.
0: Right. There's a seductive quality to each of these personalities. I mean, for Holmes, it might have been literally a seductive quality. Not to diminish anything, but it seems like that was a factor for at least some benefactors. Mm -hmm. For Elon, I think, uh, for, for, for Musk, I think the seductive aspect is the aspirational qualities that people seem to see in him, like, oh, the stars you know, bygone ambitions towards, you know, interstellar travel or whatever, um, that people think need revival. I think that's what people are seduced by. And with McAfee, I, I guess it's just the, some combination of the animal cunning and that, um, again, that justified paranoia that, oh, this guy was ahead of the curve on, uh, on antivirus, and now we all know what viruses are, and it's thanks to him, and he, he must contain some kind of genius, which you know, clearly he does um and of course after that the seductive bit is just the money i suppose so yeah i guess we i guess we we remain unseduced except for rob who has now been seduced to the cult of elon so there must be some appeal (gasps) i'm not
2: a stan i just
1: i'm not i'm not anti i'm not anti elon musk really either
2: oh so
0: it's just me then
1: yeah then i appreciate the electric car initiative yes rosemary
2: you nailed it look i'm not an elon stan Yeah, I don't want anyone to think that I like Elon Musk. I was just pleasantly surprised at his appearance in this podcast. Um, And yeah, Rosemary, I I think that Elon Musk is a dude who has set in motion things that are going to create great net benefits for society. Electric cars is the number one thing.
0: Do you really think that that wouldn't have happened without his existence? Well, I mean,
2: there have always been people since the technology for electric cars has existed trying to push them into the mainstream, and it never happened until Tesla. Do I think that Tesla is necessarily the greatest machine ever created? I don't know, but just the the fact that you have a guy like Elon Musk out front leading the charge, the fact that Teslas like iPods are objects of consumer desire has done a whole lot um, for making that technology mainstream and maybe getting us uh, closer to divesting from carbon fuels someday.
1: And yeah, you know, yeah, he did the same thing for um, uh, solar energy too. He's trying to do the same thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, my caveat there is that I'm not sure either of those initiatives is anywhere near sufficient to to, to divest from energy in the way that we would have to. And of course, man, the the manufacturing and adoption of all these things will in fact also require the use of a lot of carbon. Simon, it's but two versus one like now. This
2: is a pro Elon Musk podcast.
0: I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're I'm I'm now biting off more than I can chew, so we really got to wrap this one up. But uh, we hope to have, a, um, once again, a full, a full stack of hacks for you next week and hopefully a, a, a slightly less scattered episode. But uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Subscribe to the Joe Rogan experience. You know that they have literally like a million times more subscribers than oh, we do already, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, isn't it the, num- the it's number one the podcast, popular Rogan? Thanks,
0: thanks Rob, <laughs> for, for, for fucking plugging. <laughs> Maybe they'll plug us back. The most popular back. podcast in the world. Yeah, that's definitely how that works.
1: But if the podcasts are two hours in length, that means it's people. Talk well, they're video podcasts it's, 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 too, which is the wild
0: hours thing. Too. They're closer <laughs> to three hours. <laughs> like you could listen to yeah, you could listen to four of our episodes in the space of time it takes to. But that's not going to be true if I keep <laughs> fucking running my mouth. So I'm going to stop. Um. And oh, the only thing I wanted to mention is so starting in the next couple weeks, um, the Hacks Initiative will be launching its second project which is a newsletter uh, that is not about tech. It's actually about something else. Um, So keep your eyes peeled at hacks.fm for that over the next week, two weeks, three weeks. Um, And that's about it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.
1: Thanks, everyone.